What are we doing it for? We're doing it for the culture. Think about all the things you don't like about yourself. All the negative thoughts that you... Okay. You know, thighs, you, you put, thighs, my love handles, you, you what? Push, <laughs> you push on yourself, you know, all the, all the things that we really tear ourselves down about. Mm-hmm. Think about all those things manifested in your doppelganger and you find your doppelganger mm. and you're face-to-face with her. First reaction. Damn. I don't know. I think I would be in awe. <laughs> like, I wouldn't be... Uh... Yeah, I think it would, I would be shocked. I would be shocked. That was my first reaction. Shocked. Like, shocked. Like, like spooked or, or like? Yeah, spooked. Like spooked. Yeah. Like, is this a ghost? Is this shit? You know, like, I would be spooked. Second, I would be, like, after spending time with my doppelganger, I would be like, shit, that's mm. who I am. Mm. That's how I look. That's how I've been walking around. Yeah. I don't know. Shocked is the only thing that comes to mind. I think it's like, I, I remember we talked about this before where, you know, all the the parts of ourselves that we, or, or like who we are when we're with no one else, yeah, right? Like whomever that person is that you are when no one else no is one looking, are. yeah, you know, like that, that would be your doppelganger manifested. Yeah. And so what is that like? And I feel you. Yeah, I'd be shook too. I'd, I, I don't know how I'd react. I might want to. I, I don't know if I would want to, like, fuck them up, <laughs> you know, beat the beat the doppelganger up or, like, sit and talk to that motherfucker. Like, Damn. But, yeah, shooketh, huh? I yeah, I'd be shooketh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, would you be shooketh? Oh, yeah. The, I mean, that's cool that you that you, uh, you said that because, really, this this whole, like, scenario that I was um, painting is, is based off of... A film, the second film by Jordan Peele that I'm really excited to see. Uh, oh my god! Yeah, I, I did not plan on watching that. No, no. I mean, yeah, I'm not into I'm not into scary movies either. But like that one looks like a thriller, kind of scary and a psychological thriller. Yes, yeah. Sheesh. I like I like when my mind gets fucked with. So, man, in, in a film, in a film that way, not not a, you know. You can't be putting that out there. <laughs> not in a relationship, not in real life, but you oh, know. Lord and Lord. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. Double gang gang. <laughs> okay, Danny boy. Or D boy. <laughs> okay, so an opportunity for filmmaking. The greatest opportunity that you've been waiting for your whole life finally gets offered to you. And you have like literally 24 hours to kind of make up if you want to take this offer. But there's one, one requirement is that you have to move to Wyoming in order to get this. First reaction. Mm, uh, dang. I've been thinking about this. <laughs> really? Actually, yeah, because... Wyoming? No, not oh. fucking Wyoming. <laughs> I mean, that's... That would be the part... Dang. That would make me want to say no, right? But, like, who who would I be to say no to an opportunity to work in film? But I've been thinking... To move? Well, I've been thinking about this just because of like where I am in life and the responsibility. 
places? No. The resp- I mean, yeah, the exp- the expensiveness of living here in the Bay Area, but also just helping raise my niece, you know, and just mm. being a part of um, her life. I mean, I don't know if I would take it. But what's your first reaction? Like, what? Oh, my gosh. I've always longed for this opportunity. I, but when... I, one, one, one request anymore. Yeah, I have, to, I have to move. Yeah. Right? Like, I, I, I've i yeah. been thinking about it, and I felt like I knew what was coming. Yeah. And and as you were as you were talking, as you were saying it more and more, I'm like, oh, shit, I think I know where she's going with this. And honestly, what I feel in my heart is I would say no. Oh, man. I mean, I feel like there's a way I can make it, you know, like, make it work with where I am. But... I don't know. Bruh. I'm packing. I'm packing. Ginger, Tom, get in the car. <laughs> we move to my bruh. I don't even care if I know I don't know how to record films like you. I Someone's mean, gonna teach me. But those are both some pretty uh real ass first reaction. It was all a dream. S- stories that we concocted. It's a dream, up. but it's a dream. You gonna I know. Get, I know it's a dream. This opportunity pass? I know. Fuck. <laughs> oh my I, god. Honestly, where I am right now, you know, I just would think that Fuck where you are now, bro. We gotta think of the future. Fuck you. <laughs> Shit. What you talking about? We gotta think of ginger. No, I'm you know, you know, I feel like real talk, I'm thinking about where I am and like just the just being a part of helping take care of my niece and be a part of her life and thinking about the 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 larger impact of you know being a, a positive a positive, real male oh, figure in her man. life that, like, to up and leave just to follow my dream. I mean, yeah, maybe it, maybe doing that could help me become more successful monetarily and help out in that way, but I don't know. Just honestly, like, my first reaction is no. Man, you guys heard it. He would give up his film career for family. Well, and I, and I don't, Love. I don't think necessarily it has to be given up, right? There's other ways in which I could make it happen. That's just I, I need to fucking do something. Yeah, you know, that's a kick in my ass to just say like, pick up the pen and the paper, pick up the camera, and fucking do something. Mm. Okay, I see you making me thinking shit, Bruh, You know, I gotta get your. We're over here liking these psychological movies. <laughs> I hey. mean, it might as well get you to think. No, I mean, for real. I'm excited to see that film, too, because... What's the name of the film again? It's called Us. When is, is it out? Uh, March 22nd, it comes out. You know, if Jordan Peele wants to drop some some ends, because we're doing some free promo over here. But no, nah, I'm, I'm, um, I'm a fan. I became a fan of uh, Jordan Peele's through mm. Kay and Peele from their sitcom. Um, was it a sitcom? It was like a variety show kind of uh, on Comedy Central where they did like a lot of different skits and they had a lot of characters and the production value was always really good. Nice. The stories were really good. And so I'm a fan of uh, Get Out. Get Out oh, was... Oh, yeah, <laughs> I know, right. That was a wild film. Um, and so I'm Get just really out. excited to see this, you know, the trailer, them horrifying the I Got Five on It song. Yeah. I don't think we'll ever hear that song the same again. It's going to be... It's traumatizing after... But but, but like Peele. with the remixing that song, yeah, with the film coming out soon, I was like, ooh, that would be good to to do as a first reaction to Bex, see what happens, fucking around with the doppelganger, because it's supposed to be like, you know, the other version of yourself, 
Have you seen the trailer? I have. Yeah, you know, just for like that's the way the the way it's set up. I mean, when you set it up in that way, right? I would have freaked out. <laughs> I would have shit in my pants, bro. It would have been the the version of yourself that you're not too mm. too fond of, or uh-uh. yeah, the one you keep locked away. Oh, Lord. But who knows what it you know what it what the film is really about? So we'll see once it once it drops March twenty second. March twenty second. So welcome to For the Cultures podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Bex Bumble. What it do, Kaipu? It's your host, D Boy. Yes, we're excited to be in the studio today. We got a lot to go over and talk about for yeah, the cultures. Absolutely. And speaking of for the cultures, you know, just thinking a, a lot about uh, recent events that's been going down over there in. Um, Aotearoa, New Zealand, mm. with the um, with the <laughs> the hateful terrorist attack against Muslim lives, um, the massacre that happened at the uh, Christchurch, yeah, uh, in the mosque, in Christchurch, oh, in Christchurch yeah. mosque in New Zealand. Our hearts are heavy, yeah, you know, for for the Muslim community, for Aotearoa, New Zealand, for such a heinous act of evil to take place you know our hearts are heavy for the lives lost the families impacted right and so what we want to do is we just want to <clears throat> what we're going to do is take a moment of silence for all those lives that were lost um and then after that moment of silence bex would you mind you know leading us into uh oh yes into prayer to ground us and and really center us uh, for this episode. Definitely. Thank you. Thank you. So just to everyone out there who's listening right now, um, if you're in your car or you got your headphones in or just wherever you may be, uh, we ask you all and invite you all to take a moment of silence for us, with us. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that we have a God who we can pray to when we, when our hearts are heavy, when the weight of this world becomes too heavy. We have you to cry out to and to take on our burdens. And we just pray right now for everyone who is in New Zealand right now. We pray that you be with them, that you comfort them, and that you will just um, allow them to just grieve as a whole and comfort each other and come together as a community. And we just pray for peace, you know, peace that surpasses all understanding. Let that rest over each and every one of them right now. And we also pray for our Muslim community, those who the victims that we've lost, the fam- the fathers, the doctors, the children, the daughters, the sons, nephews, nieces. We just pray for those we've lost and the families of the ones, of the loved ones that they've lost. We pray for them. We just pray for your, just, I don't really even know how to pray 
for them right now because I, c I can just imagine how painful that is. But you, God, you know everything. You are able to bring things that just, that is confusing and bring it just, and bring clarity to that. And we just pray that in the midst of all this confusion, in the midst of all this chaos and darkness, that your peace and understanding and clarity will come among each and every one of them. So we just pray that um, you just provide for everyone out there as they gather as a community. We're grateful for communities now that are coming together. We just pray that you protect them, keep them safe. And Lord, let your joy spread heavily over New Zealand, even in the midst of this, um, this very tragic event. Would you let something positive arise out of this, Lord? We thank you so much for everything. We even pray for our listeners. Pray for a blessing over them, our hearers, our listeners, everyone. We just, we're grateful for you. Thank you for always being our source of strength when we need you. And it's in your mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Well. I think something I just want to add to the to the prayer is you know um, the mothers, mm. right? The mothers and to pray for justice, mm. right? Pray for again for peace and for love and understanding, forgiveness. It's I'll let you say that. <laughs> forgiveness. forgiveness is so hard for me, but I, shit, I don't know. This is unforgivable, but man. Justice for real. Yeah. Oh, so. Bruh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just just hop right into it, right? Like, this is bruh. It's ridiculous, right? Yeah. I mean, it's it's so many things. It's it's heinous. It's. <sighs> it's okay. You can say. It. <laughs> It's so fucked up. Uh, just a little report uh, that it got off um, Access Online. Um, what? At least 49 people were killed in the mass shooting on Friday at two mosques in Christchurch, New Zealand. Mm. The gunman was a reported white nationalist, mm -hmm. and he was arrested and charged with murder, and three additional suspects were taken into custody. With yeah. Yeah. Should be charged with terrorism. Yeah. Where's the charges for the hate crime? They ain't gonna charge him for that. He's white. Yeah. That's sad, uh, right? Mm hmm He probably uh, got escorted out really uh, nice and safe as well, huh? Like, there was um, an article um, that T.I. posted... Um, this week, and he said, uh, I think it was t the Daily Mirror in New Zealand, mm -hmm. and one was from uh, a few years ago during the ISIS um, the attack. It was the ISIS, it's basically the Daily Mirror articles, just right next to each other. One it says, "ISIS maniac kills fifty gay club," <clears throat> and then there's the other article that says, which has to do with this gunman, angelic boy who grew up into an evil far right mass killer. Mm -hmm. There's the ISIS maniac kills 50 in gay club. And then when they describe him in the article, it's an angelic boy who grew 
up into an evil right. far right mass killing. I mean, it's propaganda, <laughs> right? It's the same old. It's the same old story about how people of color, people whom are different, right, get painted in this, this like uh, criminalistic type of. Um, they, they they get described as uh, criminals, mm-hmm. right? And then these white shooters or these white terrorists who kill people just for being themselves as like, oh, somebody gone wrong, mm-hmm. right? It makes me think about this tweet that my sister Fia posted. Um, or no, not a, not a tweet that she posted, but she, uh, what do you call that? That she retweeted um, and wrote a little something to it. So the the tweet is from Michael uh, Skolnick, and his tweet says, Christ Church Mosque, white supremacist. Tree of Life Synagogue, white supremacist. Mother Emmanuel A.M.E. Church, white supremacist. Oak Creek Sikh Temple. Sikh. Yeah, the Sikh community. Yeah. White supremacist. Overland Park Jewish Jewish Center, white supremacist. Islamic Center of Quebec City, white supremacist. And my sister says, white terrorists won't get the media circus they deserve because narrative is what structures the social ideologies of value. And that is why, my brothers and sisters, your skin is criminalized. Mm. Right? Mm. Just to just to the same effect of you know like the the post you described by Ti right like the yeah. media really drives the narrative yeah and it really paints the picture of us people of color to the whole world of you know because of the color of our skin <clears throat> because of our um, identity you know because yeah. of who we are we're criminalized right. If, you know. <clears throat> like I said, they may control the narrative of what we see, but we control how we perceive it, you know. And mm-hmm. that's, it's it's the fight that we're going to live for, for for the rest of our life, you know. And that's right. sad, but. And, and, but within that fight, we have to be resilient, mm. right. And we have mm. to, right. There, people, people will swallow that shit up. Maybe they'll believe it. Yeah. You know, and, and also like. We're not exempt to it either, right? Like, right. we've probably believed <clears throat> this same hype about other people before in our lives as well, right? Or no, not, not probably. We have. We have. Right? We've even seen ourselves as less than or inf- inferior. Inferior, yeah. Right? Because of just the way that this narrative is structured, right? Because of the way society is structured, these institutions, this is, it's all systemic. Yes. Right? Just <clears throat> <clears throat> this overall... Fucking bullshit, bro. Yeah, that's the craziness. That's uh, <clears throat> the world we got to live in. But you know what? On the flip side, I love what the Coconut TV, Coconut, is it Coconut TV, right? Coconut TV. Oh, yeah. They covered a story. Um, here, I'll read it, actually. It's uh, from AJ Tupel. Let's see I'm polishing up, guys. Too bad. <laughs> but he quotes, despite Polyfest being canceled out there in New Zealand, one of the biggest staple events that happens every year out mm-hmm. there in New Zealand, yep. they canceled it. 
And even throughout um, our six long weeks of hard work, nothing will compare to the pain and agony that's going down in Christchurch. And this is uh, AJ Tupa. He's the deputy head boy and uh, of St. Paul's College. Also, there's um, um, another quote or another statement from Kaiser Days. And he says, um, or there was a question that was posed, what can the Samoan cultural groups and communities do to get behind the rest of New Zealand? And he answered, uh, they can come together and hire a big event and our Samoan groups will perform and make money at the door and donate all proceeds to the Muslim communities in Christchurch. Mm. I thought that was pretty awesome. Yeah. Been seeing a lot of coverage of just the whole you know, our of course our Pacifica community in New Zealand, but just everybody. Oh yeah, coming together to help support the Muslim community. Mm. You know, just all the support coming together to support everyone over there, and just I, I think I seen one of the posts about like a couple of million dollars raised within forty eight hours just for you know relief, just for funds for like you know whatever needs to be taken care of for um the families that are impacted from this right the lives that were lost right just just new zealand coming together <coughs> as a whole it's it's it, it adds to the overwhelmingness of just the whole situation you know just like seeing everybody's heavy hearts Especially from our Pacifica community, you know, with the especially yeah, you know the the video clip uh, um, that you're re referring coconut to, TV. yeah, coconut TV, like they're they're covering a lot of our folks coming together, you yeah. know, coming together, sing songs, folks showing up at the mosques, um, giving flowers. I seen somebody perform a haka there, you know, just to just to pay yeah. respect from the cultural aspect of it, you know, like. <sighs> it's gonna be huge. It's but also they they canceled Polyfest. Mm -hmm. I mean that's a big deal, and then that shows a lot about our people. Yeah. Like there there's nothing you know like we're not gonna move our 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 people like New Zealand as a whole is right. suffering and going through something very hard at this time, and everything is not a priority. Like right. New Zealand isn't a priority. I love that. Like, what is it? Um, how, well, how long has Polyfest been? Oh, a minute. It's a it's like you said, it's a staple event out there in New Zealand where it brings all of our cultures together yeah. and a lot of a and lot of different schools out there and uh, groups pre uh, prepare. Prepare. It's a week thing, right? Or a 3-day thing. It's a few I days. I actually don't know. I I don't know how long it is. It's it's just something I've always wanted days. to go to. Yeah, because they cancel schools. I mean, the schools are I mean, it's a, literally a day full of um just fun and I don't know what the and hell. culture, culture performance. But you know what, too. I mean, like, it. I don't know when I kind of heard, you know, like when that was brought up in the post. I was like, I didn't say all that. Like, for real, what's going on right now? Like, who cares about Polyfest? But I feel like that's what they're saying, right? Is that right? You know, with everything that could be going on, everything's on a pause. Everything's paused because we're gonna be here. We're gonna show up for. You know, the Muslim community, we're going to grieve and we're going to mourn with everyone because it was it was such it was so heinous. Mm. Right. And even like a lot of the the things that the prime minister is saying about mm. about what's happening in New Zealand. Right. Like there's a lot of talk around the gun laws and things like that. Okay. You know, like there's action that's going to take place. 
because of the the way that this massacre went down, how that motherfucker just went up in there and and sh- and lit the place up. Just lit the place up because he because he wanted to because he didn't like because because uh, he was. It was like he was he was on a uh, he was recreating like a, a game, right? From the drive, everything that was was recorded. Oh yeah. Up until that moment, right? You I mean, said, that's I seen a, a a few seconds of the clip, and yeah, it looked very similar to um, the video games that folks play, like Call of Duty. All these violent games, dealing with guns, going in and shooting people up and blasting on folks, you know, like. Insane. It's like that's from the perspective of how this video was shot, you know, and it's just, it's so. It's so crazy because I think there was also uh, pictures that were kind of like posted on social media of, um, the that the the shooter mm-hmm. he was uh, in his little jail suit and he was throwing up a sign. Did you see that? He, no, he, I didn't he see threw that. it like this, and it's it's it stands for W, mm-hmm. white power, and the P. Like they were explaining what the, what that sign, and he had it while he's handcuffed. He he had that sign wow. while the two uh, deputies were right next to him. Right. He's handcuffed and he, he's holding it up like, and they were explaining that W P stands for white power. Crazy, bruh. And they they blurred out his face, and they made visible his sign. Now anybody else, they would have showed his face. They would have threw out his address. They would have threw out his name. His everything would have yeah, been shown. Rap they, sheet. Yeah, they don't hide. They looked into the past. Yeah, if he was a black man, a brown person, anybody. Right. They, they would have never blurred out the face, but for him, they blurred it out. Mm-hmm. It was just. Ah, yeah, yeah. It's too much craziness going on right now, man. It's like it's like my sis said, you know, like, and everybody says it. it our skin is criminalized. You know, something that else, uh, something else that's been hard to sort of process out is just the fact that while this happened in New Zealand, and um, you know, it happened to the Muslim community, and you really, and we see our people coming out and showing support and just just all this talk this news coverage around it right what's been coming up for me is that like i'm ingesting a lot of the information i'm downloading it i'm like letting it sit in but i haven't really had a moment to process it until right now with you mm. and what is what's coming up for me is making me think about like how while i'm receiving all of this information it also is something that is very, it seems very distant to right. me, right? Like, uh, and I mean that in terms of like impact. Right. Right, where it has, it doesn't impact me personally. Right. But, but it, but it affects me though because it's injustice mm-hmm. to innocent people. Right. Right. And, and then just to know that this was connected to like, white nationalists, white supremacists that, you know, it, it's very MAGA of mm. the, uh, of just, like, like these kinds of acts, right? I, I'm not sure if I heard correctly that, like, these, these um, this terrorist attacks happened in New Zealand because of a lot of the rhetoric from Donald Trump, right? Or just the, 
the MAGA community. Mm. So I, I might have heard that from a wrong source. I might just be making it up. I don't know. But it, it has that same essence, right? It's all based on hate. Right. And... Like, it's all of these things, but yet it's just, it's still at an arm's length. It's still very distant from me and doesn't impact me directly. And I just wanted to, I just wanted to name that and call that out, right? Because it's... No, that's good. You know. Yeah, I think uh, it's, I think it's the same for me. I, I think we, we read, you know, and we've done our research in this, in, you know, preparing for this conversation, for this conversation. But we didn't process. Mm-hmm. We didn't sit with it, you know. And I think as we're talking about it, feelings are coming up. Where we where we stand is coming up. Trying to figure out what we know how to view things. Like there are a lot of things that are coming up because I have that same, you know, like it's affecting me. Mm-hmm. But the impact isn't as much as you know it's impacting others you know that right those who are on the ground in new zealand in new zealand even people out here whether they grew up or they have family there i mean i have family out there or even the muslim community here exactly right because that's their that's their people nonetheless right mm-hmm. and I'm, there's another tweet that came up and i actually put it in our um our nightcap on our for the culture uh, ig story mm. It's a tweet uh, from a woman named Hala, and her Twitter is at underscore Hala NSR, mm-hmm. and, it, and it says, this is why I can't relate to the hashtag they are us hashtag. Um. My experience as a Muslim aren't yours. To be in solidarity with me and other Muslims doesn't need to involve the erasure of our differences. Please show your solidarity by holding racists accountable. Mm. That's all I ask, right? Wow! And I was, that's right there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's what's her name? Hala. H a. You put that on our story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was part of the. That's power. You know, just just sharing a lot of the images that were coming out too from New Zealand with like, you know. New Zealand elders and New Zealand um, uh, cultural folks, right, in cultural attire, you know, hugging and grieving with um, someone from the Muslim community, just just the, you know, that cult, their cultural attire and their cultural makeup, just, just these beautiful artworks put together of these two communities, these two cultures coming together to grieve. You know, and this 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 tweet is is the real deal, Holyfield, right? Sobering, yeah. Tweet, yeah. Don't say they are us, right? Because we don't know. You know, we don't have this experience of um, being under attack like this, right? With the whole is it Islamophobia? Yeah, is that right? Mm -hmm. Like just being under attack in that sense, right? Like all these phobias. Right, homophobia, 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 right, just just all of it, xenophobia. But mm. but right now, what like all of this, this this terrorist attack happened because of Islamophobia, because folks were Muslim. It's just not real. It's like <laughs> this is like the process show, right? 
I mean, it says, you know, please show your solidarity by holding racists accountable. Man. That's what we got to do. And how do we do that, Danny boy? Be more vocal. Yeah, vocal, you know, calling shit out. If it happens there in it front is. of that you, part. don't be silent. That part. Because when you're silent, you're complicit. That part. You know, there's video. You see, you see all these videos, these hate videos coming up. Um, shit, especially on Twitter. I just seen one where some lady was going off on a black man, you know, calling him the N-word, calling him a motherfucker, spitting at him. And he was running towards her, charging towards her, and, pe- and uh, people was holding him back, saying, you know, like, don't don't react. Don't don't feed into it. And right. she's going off, saying it, like, with, with, you could feel the hate. Right, right. Coming from her. Yeah. Saying the N-word proudly in a fucking supermarket. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, in uh, to hold racists accountable... Is if you a bystander and you see that shit and they ain't letting the the black man go or the black woman go, and you right there, knock that motherfucker right. out right there. <laughs> Pull up. Uh huh. Bank on her. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Shit. And that's I mean violence begets violence, and that's <laughs> probably not the right thing to do. But you know, that's my first reaction. <laughs> <laughs> that's how you gonna hold oh, them motherfucking yeah. racists accountable. You know what I mean? Call them out on their shit. Don't let them get away with it. Yeah. You know? Want to fucking spit and do all this shit and name calling, bitch. Yeah. And you know what? It, one thing I've learned, because I am, there's an anger stirring up, a new anger. This anger did not exist at all before. That, But that's because I was not educated, you know, in like the privilege that we never had. <laughs> You know, like mm. I always assumed that we, that you know because I lived out here in America that this is an American privilege for everyone, colored or not. You know, and it's just recent where I'm just like shit as I'm learning more about culture and more about where we are and where we are as a in the state of where we are as a whole as mm-hmm. a nation. I'm, I realize like shit. I don't. I've never carried the privilege of a white yeah. man. Yeah. You know, I, I, that's how I was raised. The wool is being pulled from over your eyes. Huh? Jeez. The veil is being lifted up. Like, lifted like a... I mean, and it's been that way for centuries. You know what I mean? Like, it's history. It's in the history. Deep, 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 deep in the history. But that's important. But it's important for those who are not doing anything or just can give a shit of learning. You know, like, they don't have... It's not that they don't have um, heart, a heart for like our people it's just they're not educated mm-hmm. they're not aware they're so they're they're just uninformed you know of just where Could they be belong ego driven probably and, and i just sometimes people only care about how things impact them yeah right yeah like oh how does how does this whole situation impact me when it's like damn who cares about how it fucking impacts you <laughs> people lost their lives the egoic mindset. That's that's the fucking thing that we're talking about here. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Get over yourself. Like you never had. Not everything has to be about you. Right. It ain't about ain't nobody thinking about you. But see, but anyways, back to your question though. Like the way that we can hold racists accountable, right, is by not remaining silent, speaking up, right. Yeah. And we also have to be 
mindful and we have to be careful because people could, you know, cause harm, cause violence against us for speaking up. Yeah. You know, but we got to be resilient and we got to be smart and strategic. And, you know, sometimes it, it may be right. You know, it might be smart to pick your battles. Right. But we cannot remain silent. We have to call out call out what's wrong mm. if it happens in front of us, you know, and so... I don't know. That's it just what I think. It takes courage. And it takes courage, yeah. You know, and I feel like, you know, our listeners out there, too, can definitely help help us think about other ways in which we can hold racists accountable, right, if that's how we're going to show our solidarity for what happened, mm. you know, with the Muslim community. She says here, please show your solidarity by holding, holding. racists accountable. That's all I ask. That's what we got to do. I know we could go on and on about this topic. Um, I think we've covered quite a bit of it, um, but we still got the rest of the show to go through. It's still Women's uh, History Month, and you know what we're doing on the show is we're recognizing PI women in her story. Um, And today we got a special, another special episode lined up, or another special um, Pacific Islander woman leader matriarch in her story uh, to discuss. But before we do, as we always do, we want, we got to get into our ICU. And so this week for our ICU, for the both of us, huh, Bex? Mm-hmm. This will be for the both of us is uh, we want to recognize uh, Lita Lewis. She's also known as Follow the Lita on okay. Instagram. Yeah, she's really dope. She was born in L.A. but raised in Sydney, Australia. Wow. Uh, and currently resides in Brooklyn, New York. She is a health and fitness coach. She's a influencer on uh, body positivity um, and image and just really, really um, uplifting women, right? And, right. you know, empowering in all shapes yeah. and sizes. Yeah, empowering women. And she's she's just gorgeous. She's beautiful. And um, she's someone who I've been following personally for a long time, uh, just because she <laughs> She is beautiful, but also for uh, everything that she does is beautiful too. You know, she's all in like she's totally into fitness. She's like a trainer, personal uh, yeah, trainer. I know. Um, you can check her out on her website, LitaLewis dot com. Follow her follow on IG. Lita. Yeah, follow the Lita, L-I-T-A, on IG. Um, yeah, just a dope, awesome woman. She's uh, Samoan, part Samoan, part black, um, mm. and has just, just continued to do her thing. She's also someone who I think I learned about Lita from the What It Do. Oh. Yeah, yeah she, she does a lot of work with Lisa over there at the What It Do and on her own. Um, and she's just she's just an awesome woman doing big things. And so all of that to say, Lita Lewis, I see you. Yeah, yeah. We are excited to get into this conversation, to t- chop it up about how Nani K. Trask. Uh, just a quick bio about how Nani. How Nani K. Trask is a Hawaiian nationalist, educator, political scientist, and writer. Trask was born in San Francisco, California, grew up in Hawaii, and comes from a politically active family. She worked as a professor of Hawaiian studies 
with the Kamaka Kuo Kalani Center for Hawaiian Studies at the University of Hawaii, Manoa. Trask opposes tourism to Hawaii and U.S. military's presence on island. She is an author of one of the phenomenal books she's uh, written titled From a Native Daughter. Mm. Yeah, and so Haunani is, oh, she's just amazing. We wanted to try something different this time, and instead of reading an extensive bio on Haunani, we wanted to share um, this clip um, that we will get into a little bit after. We just wanted to play it for y'all real quick. So tap in with Haunani K. Trask. Aloha mai, aloha kako. I am aloha. I am Haunani K. Trask. I am a descendant of the Pi'ilani line of Maui and the Kahakumakali'ua line of Kauai. I greet you today as an indigenous woman. I am an American subjugated native. I am part of a non-self-governing people known here as the Native Hawaiians. And I am a Polynesian member of the Pan-Pacific Movement for Self-Determination that has been growing in the Pacific Islands for the last 30 years. I am not an American. Despite American imperialism, that is the territorial and economic control of Hawaii since 1898, Hawaiians, and not just myself, are not Americans. We are not Europeans. We are not Asians. We are not from the Pacific Rim. We are not immigrants to the Pacific. We are the children of Papa, Earth Mother, and Vakea, Sky Father. They created together the sacred lands of Hawaiine. From these lands came the taro, and from the taro came the Hawaiian people. Because of this, Hawaiians have a genealogical relationship to the lands and waters of Hawaiine. Our universe is a cosmos of familial relations. The land is our mother and we are her children. This is the lesson of our genealogy. For over 200 generations, we lived in the land's keeping. In 1778, a white foreigner called Haole in our language came to our homeland with a pestilential shipload of other white foreigners. They wanted women, water, food, and general recreation, for which they gave the Hawaiian people syphilis, gonorrhea, tuberculosis, and ideas of predatory Christianity, capitalism, and individualism. Forty-two years later, in 1820, a different class of aggressive haole, animated by the hatred of all things dark and sexual, brought measles, chickenpox, and a virulent determination to replace the Hawaiian world with the haole world. They were called missionaries. These white Americans were bent on conversion of my people and the dispossession of our lands and waters. By this time, 75% of the Hawaiian people, three-quarters of a million Hawaiians, had died from the coming of the haole. Conveniently for the missionaries, the Hawaiian universe collapsed under the impact of mass death, and the field of conversion was littered with the remnants of Holocaust. In 1893, when Hawaiians were but 5% of what they had been at contact, and when most of our arable lands were in the hands of foreigners, 
American Marines invaded and occupied my native country, overthrew and imprisoned our chiefly leaders, and established an all-Hawley puppet government called the Republic of Hawaii. In 1898, Hawaii was forcibly annexed to the United States against the expressed wishes of the Hawaiian people. By 1900, all Hawaiian language schools were closed. From this point forward into the 20th century, Hawaiians have become increasingly like other native peoples, conquered and subordinated in their own homeland. We suffer a declining population, continued land dispossession, and ongoing destruction of our cultural ways. American militarism during World Wars I and II and the Vietnam War swallowed up more lands, 600,000 acres in the Second World War. As a nation and a people, Hawaiians are no longer self-determining. American colonialism has been a violent process for my people. The violence of mass death, the violence of missionizing, the violence of cultural destruction, and the violence of the American military. It is out of this circumstance, then, that I speak to you today. Please remember that this history of violence against my people, who are now a numerical minority in our homeland, are occupied by a majority of non-natives, including over six million tourists a year. Damn. <laughs> I am not American. You are not. No, she said, I am not American. Right. What comes up for you after hearing that clip? Uh, reality check. Yeah. She reminds me of the Auntie at a family reunion that be just keeping it real. <laughs> you ain't shit. You ain't a, you are not this. You are not. She is that, that woman that just gives it a hundred percent. Like, like I said, you know, like I said earlier, it's like, I'm just now tapping into the true reality of my existence as a, Pacific, you know, Pacific a woman and someone that's, you know, brown skin, you know, mm -hmm. like that, that reality never dawned on me until now. Yeah. But it's always existed. Mm -hmm. It's just, uh, the revelation is hitting in. What, what hit with you? Something that always, always comes up for me when watching anything about how Nani, uh, or anything that she has to say is just this sense of like, uh, empowerment and this, mm. This uh, this knowledge that I have never uh, been exposed to or learned of, right? And just this way of thinking. And even the history that she gives, you know, even right. the timeline. She gave yeah. a timeline of how Hawaiians have been impacted, um, have been oppressed through all of the different um, touches and exposures with, uh, as she refers to as haole, right? Or foreigners, meaning the, the white folks. Right. Right, coming into the lands and bringing a disease and bringing uh, Christianity, right, and bringing this sense of um, you know needing water and women, right, and all these resources, right, and and then just even taking over the land and colonizing the people, just all of like the way she speaks with such might, right. Um, and such truth and such and knowledge. Certainty. Yeah, yeah, certainty where it's like she is reading everybody, right. <laughs> you know, reading the freaking American. You can tell, like, that she's not just one person that just read a book and went became super passionate about, you know, about it. Like, you can tell that she's someone that grew up 
in you know around like this type of like influence of like you know yeah critical activism. thinking yeah activism critical, critical yep. thinkers and you know i think uh we we both you sent me a video that where we got to kind of hear the history of how she grew up mm -hmm. her upbringing right her father was a came out here to san francisco and studied as a lawyer right right yeah she was raised in hawaii but she spoke about you know like just the influence that her father you know the like he was that he raised her and conditioned her to really be think politically mm -hmm. to be politically conscious mm -hmm. and um i think that's something that we lack or i know for sure i lack you know to the the politics i don't have that rough understanding because i didn't grow that wasn't my upbringing right you're you're would you say that your upbringing was more of like you know how you you just referred to how nani's upbringing is being political yeah your yours would be more, uh, more um, like Christian mindset, right? Mm, I wouldn't even say that. I, you know, I I think I picked that up from the influences outside of my family. Oh, well. yeah. Uh, I I think my my upbringing was more survival. Mm. You know, just now that we're here, now my parents, you know, came out here to live from Samoa to the United States. Now we just got to figure out how to survive, mm. you know, and that's how it's been. It's just survive, find a job, survive. That's the only way we're going to live out here, you know? Oh, okay. Everything else, you know, we had to go learn everything else on our own. The only thing that, you know, I feel like our parents taught us other than just our values and our, you know, morals is just like, hey, just learn how to survive, you know, get a oh, job okay. and live. Let me just say sorry for uh, assuming. Oh, yeah, no. Assu assuming, yeah. assuming in that sense. Right. But I really love that every, from her upbringing to where she went to college, because she went to college out of state, right? She was, what, what state? Uh, there was another state that she said she- Out of state. Well, just out of state. It wasn't in Hawaii. Mm -hmm. She went to um, school out somewhere far. And um, she basically gave a piece of advice that stuck with me. And she was like, you know what, if you want to make an impact, you know, to your, be to your people, for your people, study somewhere else and then develop a voice, figure out, you know, like learn things outside of there. And when you come back, apply it to where you need to be, wherever it is, you know, if yeah. you have a call for your people. Mm -hmm. And I really love that. That was like pretty powerful insight you know because normally people would just stay here and just be like no we're just gonna stay here we're gonna rough it out with our family but she's like no if you guys really want to you know go your about your training ground is not here this is your battleground that's not your training ground mm. you gotta go somewhere else to train and then you gotta and then you'll be perfect for battle and i really love that because we always assume that our battleground is our training ground mm. But she really explains it clear, you know, especially when she's giving advice to her daughters, you know, her little, you know, the women that she mentors, is that this place, you know, like, if you have a heart for Hawaii, step out and, you know, like, go learn the things that you need to learn. And, and I'm thinking, and I'm thinking that she's probably telling her, telling her daughters, like, go learn the politics, go learn how to be politically conscious, because you won't get it here. You won't learn it here. You learn it somewhere else. And that was just a piece of advice that was like, wow, your your training ground is not your battleground. And that hence that's where she, why she is where she, 
why she is who she is, you know. Yeah, I could dig it. I feel like, you know, even even with us, you know, with our um, where we grew up, right, mm. in our our neighborhoods, our homelands, wherever it may be, that as we're living and growing, right, like it's still training us in a sense, mm. right? Still training us in a sense, but I do like that whole notion of going outside and learning more, right? To get more yeah. cultured, to get beyond your surroundings and beyond what you can see, to see more of the world. Right. Because it helps you, one, learn more and attain more knowledge and experience, but then, again, you come back home, right? Like, the, that's the key element, is to come back home and contextualize all that you've learned right. to serve your people. Yeah. Right? And and I feel like that's sort of the same message that's been pushed out to folks that we've worked with, you know, in community, especially young uh, Pacific Islander college folks, right? Right. And the and stressing the importance of going going in, going out to college and like learning, doing whatever um, interests you, what your yeah. passions are. But then also like once you get your degree, like don't don't just move ahead on your own, right? Like come back home and help share. Yeah. The knowledge, right? Share the information, contextualize it. Yes. Because it's it's it impacts everyone, right? right. And you because you have that knowledge and that that uh that information and maybe even that more of that privilege now. Yeah. You can help push the needle a little bit more. Yes. Yeah. yeah I really like that part. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. You brought that up. I feel like something that is always uh, interesting to me is just how she context, like how she gives, how she gives history to the fact of how Hawaii, you know, is illegally occupied, right, by the U.S. and how it was illegally overthrown um, in history, and how she always speaks to this word haole, mm. right, and I didn't even know that it could be seen as a derogatory term, right, right, and that f- like. Balangi folks, right? Mm-hmm. White folks um, had an issue with with the word, right? Like, right. And, and she goes off, right? She she reads folks for filth who try to push back on even that 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 word being used. Yeah. So this clip I wanted to share uh, in regards to this word haole and how it was used is. Um, referenced because of a, a letter that a student wrote in to the paper right. um, about the word and how he feels it's derogatory. Mm. Uh, so just a brief just a brief um, overview of the video. And I'm quoting this from a young man's page on Facebook. His name is No... Excuse me if I'm pronouncing this wrong, bro. Um, Noel Wu O'Brien... And he says, in 1990, a letter written by 32-year-old 32, 32 Caucasian student at the University of Hawaii at Manoa was published in the Kaleo newspaper. The student claimed the Hawaiian word haole was derogative and equated, equated it to the N-word. In response, Professor Hanani K. Trask published an article in the same newspaper where she provided a brief history of Hawaii discussed the decline of our language and highlighted the narrative of white supremacy in America. Following her response, K. 
came a flood of controversy, which included threats to remove her as the director of the Center of Hawaiian Studies. In spite of it all, Trask was able to keep her position as a director, going on to inspire and educate many of today's Kanaka Maoli leaders. Hanani Kay, go ahead, I'm sorry. Yes, well, I just would like to comment that it's very telling that the first thing you open the show with is a statement about Hawaiians would benefit from one less Haole in Hawaii. That is what Haoles always pick on. They never want to talk that about before? the history. Oh, listen, I, this is my opportunity to speak, and now mm -hmm. I'm going to speak. They never want to include the history. And as you know, because you have the article with you, that statement is made at the end of my argument. The argument is preceded by a defense of the word Howley, which we need to start with Mr. Carter. Mr. Carter, who is a 32-year-old student, or was, is Howley. He wrote into Kaleo, the student newspaper, saying he didn't like the word. He thought that the use of the word was Howley bashing. That was part of his argument. My reply to him was a defense in the very first paragraph of that word. Why did I defend that word? Because the Hawaiian language was officially banned by an all Howley government, Bob, in 1900. I'm That's not, very I'm important. I'm not speaking those historical Let me facts. have my say. Let me say, I didn't like his letter any better than I like no, yours. Let, but let me have my say. <laughs> You've had a long time to interpret what I said. I want to say to the listening, viewing public, what is consistently left out of my analysis. That includes your, what you left out, what the philosophy department leaves out, what everybody else leaves out. And that is the history of white supremacy, not only in Hawaii, but in the United States. I mentioned in that same article that in the American Constitution, blacks were three-fifths of a person. That was also left out by yourself and by other people. I mentioned genocide and removal of American Indians. I mentioned the fact that Asians were beaten because they were called the Yellow Peril, and that Japanese were interned during the Second World War, and that Native Hawaiians were dispossessed and their lawful government overthrown. Now, to leave all of those things out, and there are many other things that I haven't even mentioned about the contemporary status of Native Hawaiians, is really to inflame the response of the listening public who says, well, wait a minute, why did she say that? And my response is, I am saying that not only because it is historically and factually correct, Hawaiians would certainly benefit from less Haoles in Hawaii. Many, not just one, but thousands, as Tahitians benefit from less French, if, if it can't be no French, as the Maldives would benefit from no Pakehas, as American Indians would benefit from no white Americans, because those people are settlers in native lands, and they are living on stolen land. Now, my advice to Mr. Carter was, you had better learn where you are, the same advice I give to the philosophy department, which is in Hawaii. You are not in some white place, otherwise known as Europe. You're in a native place, and you are living on stolen land, so you have an obligation, number one, to understand the history of that place, which Mr. Carter does not want to understand, which Mr. Loudon of the philosophy department does not want to understand, and number two, you owe us something. Now the question is, what do people owe us? Howleys owe us getting rid of their ignorance. They are so ignorant about Hawaii, they think they can fly here and say, oh, well, we're a numerical minority, we're unhappy here. Well, what I say to them is, learn where you are. You are not just off the coast of Southern California, you are in Polynesia, a stolen colony. That's what we are, we are a stolen colony. The United States has colonies. We are colonized people. Number two, learn the history 
That's what I was trying to say to, uh, to Joey Carter. Learn the history of white supremacy. Now, what does white supremacy consist of? Well, Mr. Carter didn't know this. Our language was officially banned. All Hawaiian language schools were closed. Who is Mr. Carter or any other white person to tell a Hawaiian we cannot use the word Holly? That is our word. Now, white people don't like that because they're used to being the people who name other people. And so they come here and they think that that word is a bad word. They think it's, it's pejorative. It's not pejorative. It's descriptive. Just like my, the name we have for Hawaiians is now Evi in Hawaiian. We are the native people. The other thing Hollies need to understand is what are the contemporary conditions that Hawaiians endure today. Continued land disposition, continued water loss, continued bad health, which we just discussed last night. All of these things, Hollies owe us. Just as if you went to Kenya or you went to Tahiti or you went to Palestine, you would owe those people there an understanding and a respect for their culture. And Mr. Carter has no respect for Hawaiians. So he complained about the word Hawaii. He complained about being what he said imposed upon. And my response to him was, if you don't like it, you can leave. Bam. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> she was a bomb just anxiously waiting to be <laughs> to explode sheesh <laughs> she said I mean, it off I mean that's mic drop right there right that was the mic drop wow I don't even know where do we where do we go from there yeah right? like she said it all I mean she said it all she said it all talk about man History, history is important. Like, oh uh, yeah, I, I guess we should also say that this this clip is from. Let's see, the sort. It's from Island Issues: Racism and Academic Freedom on VHS from 1990. Oh, right, my gosh, from 1990, yo. So, and a lot of this, everything she's saying, is still relevant today. But what comes up for me is this, this whole what she <clears throat> what she said at the end there about knowing the history of where you're at, right? That part. That part, right? Knowing the history of where you're at, and I love how she speaks to just all the other islands, right? And all the other countries that are that were colonized mm-hmm. by Howley. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. I mean, it, you know, just just to um, stay in the South Pacific, right? Like how she speaks to how Hawaii would benefit from less howlers in um, in Hawaii is just the same as Tahitians would benefit from less French, right? And how Tahiti is uh, French Polynesia because they were colonized by the French. And I have, just being someone who has roots in Tahiti, like to, I remember being out there and just being amazed at like, wow, it's so interesting to see people who look like us, yet they're gone chopping it up in French. Right. You know, a lot of the French influence and values are definitely seen there. And so just, just contextualizing everything that she talks about and being able to pinpoint all these um, points of history and knowledge, it's like, damn. Mind-blowing. And this is why we highlight her. Mm -hmm. This is why we want to recognize her because of the 
the influence, you know, and, and what she models as a person, as a woman, you know, someone who has taken time to know history, to study history, to be a part of history, to make history. Mm-hmm. She is this. This is why we want to recognize her. She's amazing. Right. She is like, I, I love what she says. She said, white people don't like don't like the name Howley because they're not used to being on the receiving end. Mm, they, <laughs> yeah, she said. <laughs> right there, bro. She said, "White people are the ones who are used to being the, the ones, ones who name people. Name people. Okay. Oh damn! I love it. She read. She read. She read uh, Mr. Carter and everybody else. Oh for man, Phil. she's like and, and anybody else who huh, can get it. She, I see, and that again, it takes courage and her courage and boldness, even in this con in this conversation, because we get to see, we get to hear the conversation and see the video, but to see the courage that she's taking in the face of a white man, mm-hmm. like she's putting her hand up, saying, "No, don't interrupt me. It is my, you know, like, yeah, we we tend to pull I, back. We've mm-hmm. been conditioned to give no, give them, let them say no, re- pay respect to that. She's like, finger up, wait." You've had your time. Hold on. I'm going to get this. She went in and she didn't she gave him little right. little room to say anything. And I respect her assertiveness in that sense. Oh my god. I I respect I have such an admiration for it. You know, cuz there's people there's people who try to do that shit and it comes mm-hmm. off like mm, nah, hell nah. You are doing that wrong or you right. you can't you can't be that way towards towards people. You know, but with like folks like Haunani and they do the way they do this, it's just there's such an air of uh, respect, an air of um, like yeah you you deserve us to shut the fuck up right? right. It reminds me of the clip too that recently you know was all a buzz on Twitter where, where Maya Angelou corrected a young woman oh. and told her uh, first of all. Uh, before we go, I am not Maya. I am Mrs. Angelou. I know. Right? And that I've worked too hard and, you know, and too long right. for for someone like yourself and yeah, others. For a young to, girl like her. For yeah. a young girl like you to address me as something else. And right. I was like, say that. <laughs> say that, doctor. Uh-huh. And then she carried on in conversation. And then, yeah, and then carried on, right? Like, it's not to disrespect you. It's just to understand. Understand who I am, right? And bring it back to respect. And again, Again, and it goes back to Haunani, even to Angela. You know, it's like you have to know who you are before you know what to do. Mm. You know, it's like an identity before assignment. Mm-hmm. You know, like she, her identity was groomed from the day she was born. You know, right. up until the, the, you know, these, these interviews. You know, she was born to be the voice. You know, she has been, she's been trained and conditioned, and she had a great influences and mentors and family members to support her to help her to groom her 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 view you know and the way she is that's why it's like there's no hesitation she has an answer for almost everything because she's you know like she's ready for this she's been prepared for these yeah she's you know she's read a lot she's done her own studies to to have all of that right all of that knowledge that well of knowledge right um in her in her brain right like to just to just be groomed in a way where you grow up and you're able to think freely. Yeah. You know, I, I think it's it's important that we create that kind of environment for yeah. our young women so that they grow up knowing that, like, what they have to say, what they feel is important, 
right? That they are sure of themselves, that they believe in themselves, um, but that they know their shit too. Because that's like what I love about not only these two clips that we've shared, but just all of the clips that right. I've ever seen about how Nani is that she's a truth teller. Right. That Actual factual part. shit. You know what I mean? Just spilling like she'll get and she'll not just tell you uh from a feelings point of view, right? She'll she'll give you history, she'll give you the timeline, all these points to to back up her arguments. And it's like, what else can you say? <laughs> right? That's why I got dropped the mic, because can't nobody <laughs> say shit. Hence the video, you see the you see the white man pull back like, damn, you got me there, girl. <laughs> right, and even if like you know maybe he was um, he was resistant to what she was saying, maybe people are still resistant to what she's saying. It's because they don't want to understand, mm. right? There's a difference between folks who can digest um, someone else's opposing view or opposing perspective and really see what the fuck that they're talking about. Right. And really see how they need to correct or how they can correct the way that they're, uh, see, the way that they see the world mm. or see the issue, their perspective. It's, it's, it's phenomenal. I, I, I'm always so um, inspired and empowered by just hearing how Nani speak, the way she thinks, um, and, and something that came up for me in thinking about both of these clips, right? Right, because she has received a lot of pushback, right? Especially because you know we read in her bio that she wasn't born in Hawaii; she grew up in Hawaii. Right. She was born in San Francisco, right? And so technically, technically, right, she's American. And I've seen some stuff, you know, looking, uh, researching biographies written on her. There was someone read a, written a biography about how um, she's not actually an indigenous person. She's not actually an indigenous woman because she was born in, in, San, Fran Francisco. in San Francisco, right? And so she's saying all this shit and she ain't even 100 about it. And it really made me think about how I had this conversation with Yuki a few weeks back about how I don't see myself as an indigenous person mm. because my experiences and, you know, just being where I was born is all rooted here in the Bay area in the diaspora. Right. And Yuki said something to me that just blew my mind. Right. Where it was like, and maybe I kind of knew this, but never believed it until mm. just hearing it from her, I guess it, yeah. it was about how, well, she said, well, because of your blood, because of your genealogy, you are connected you are linked back to your homelands, right? You're linked back to Samoa. You're linked back to uh, Tahiti, right? And so that makes you an indigenous person. Mm. But with your experiences rooted in the diaspora, you're indigenous with a diasporic lens. Mm. And that shit blew my mind. That makes sense. That makes <laughs> sense, right? Because I'm like, and you know, I still, I'm, I'm still processing and figuring out how do I see myself as an indigenous person, but I can't be indigenous without having that diasporic lens part attached to it because I have to be both of those things. Right. You know, I am both of those things. Many of us are that are born here that are so many generations removed from, you know, our homelands, our Ngafa, our genealogy, our bloodlines still trace us back to our homelands. Therefore, we are indigenous 
Yes. With diasporic experiences, with existing in the diaspora. Right. Right? I love it. Thank you. <sighs> how nanny, how nanny, how nanny. I see you. <laughs> she should have been the ICU. I mean, I, yeah, you know, just the just that last question that we always ask ourselves uh, when we're recognizing, you know, PI women in history is what message would she deliver to this generation? It all, it's all still relevant, right? She's still delivering the message. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so I feel like I hope these two clips that we shared you know, really speak to folks and really, really does something to, you know, to y'all. If you've never heard these before or if you have some idea of who Haunani is, you know, I hope that you heard it loud and clear. Yeah. And share with us how, how it, uh, you know, how it impact you, what's come up for you um, in hearing these clips or learning more about Haunani. From talking about Nafanua to Queen Salote, to Haunani, one thing that I have learned from all three is courage. Mm. You know, the same thing that we've been talking about, the theme of our year is courage. Mm-hmm. From the conversation with Alisi, it's been courage, you know? And they keep removing, like, just layers of fear that have been kind of, like, they've just been latched on me for years. Mm. Dang, that's beautiful. And I get to move forward every time I hear a story like Nafanua, a story like Queen Salote, and a story like Haunani, you know, it's like these women, again, they are our inheritance. Mm. They are, this is who we are and who we can be. And they are giving us all the tools through their stories, through their, through even Haunani, how she, you know, like her lifestyle, her story of just how she grew up. Like, you know, they're giving us a lot of tools of how we can still Learn, learn the history, learn, go, you know, learn uh, everything you need to know if you want to make impact. If you, you know, there's a video that I found on YouTube of her. And she said, uh, I think she shared a little story about her father, but she said that one thing that her father told her is that if you ever want to hear the cry of the people, the land, put your ear to the ground and you'll hear the cry of the ancestors give you the answers to that, the cry mm. of the people, something along the lines of that. Mm. But I'm just like, you know, that's deep. Like right. You will never know the struggle and the cry of the people if, until you put your ear to the ground and actually hear mm-hmm. the pain and the agony and the, the need of wherever you belong, you know, in, in this earth, whatever passion or calling you have. It's like you will never know until... Again, she had to put her ear to the ground and just, and I don't know what that actually looks like. I don't know if it's like literally putting your ear to the ground, but she had to do something in order for her to have this righteous anger, you know. I I feel like what, I mean, my interpretation of that is, you know, just to hear the cries of the ancestors of um, everything that they've sacrificed and everything that they've given up or gone through to be, for us to be where we're at. But also to hear the cry of the people, mm-hmm. um, you you know us as individuals being a part of those people, but just hearing the struggles of others. Yes. Right, and just listening with an open heart to what the need is, to right. what the experience is, and letting that shape our leadership. Because mm-hmm. I think that's also something that I feel like. Uh, what you're describing that I also see in Nafanua's story. Yes. Queen Salote. And of course, Haunani is just their level of leadership. 
Yeah. In leading uh, their people. Yeah. And they were not afraid to stand by themselves. At the end of the day, they were, if no one's behind me, if no one is in support of what I believe is true, I'm, I was, I'm willing to stand alone, you know, in the midst of. I mean, how do we know that they weren't afraid? Right. Right. Maybe right. they had the courage to stand up through the fear to be able to just be bold and say, you know what, I'm, I might be scared, That's but I'm true. still going to, I'm push. still going to do this. I'm still going to push. I'm going to have love in my heart. I'm going to have fire in my voice. That's it. Right. And That's it. Like, not for no, I'm going to have those like weapons and I'm going to fuck these voice. motherfuckers up. <laughs> <laughs> oh man but uh i i feel it too you know i'm really really empowered by just all the women that we've been highlighting and all the women we we may not be able to have the chance to highlight but a lot of women in history we can all learn a lot from them not just women but men alike as well right right this level of leadership especially with just our great example of today right how nani k trask just amazing just her level of intelligence her level of boldness and it, it and, and and like how she's not gonna take no shit she ain't gonna take shit from anybody i love that that's what i love about our people i love that about our women mm-hmm. i know that, that uh, there's women like that in all cultures right and yeah she even said there was a few times where she had to have bodyguards with her because she felt like every time she said, I'm not American, she felt like she was, someone was going to hit her. Uh, so I was like, she had a target on her back. But that's how bold she was. She's right. like, you know, I'm going to start speaking boldly, but I'm going to be wise and start carrying me some, some of my boys. And like, if anything happens, just know that you have to have me. But I'm about to go to town with yeah. my truth. You know, I love what she said. She is a truth teller. Mm-hmm. I love that. That's a, she's a truth teller. Hawaiian poet and academic and activist and educator and more, you know. But I'm so glad we got to highlight her. Absolutely. Thank Some, you. Something that she uh, that she said that I've always tried to uh, use as a mantra of mine is mm. that our culture uh, can't be ornamental, right? It has to be uh, the core of our uh, of our resistance, right? The core of our anger the core of our mana, right? What mm-hmm. pushes us. We can't just ornamentalize our culture and put it on like we want to, you know, have these dances and we want to um, share our culture with people, right? Or like just turning it on when we want and turning it off when we want. Like it can't be those things. It has to be our our everyday, every moment, every second thing, right? That it's all of that beauty and it's all of the resistance. It's all of that... Mm political um knowledge yes that fight right because this shit happened to our people to our ancestors right again putting that ear putting our ears to the ground like this is the shit our ancestors went through and we're still standing and we're still fighting it's powerful i feel like uh just one last thing i feel like she would probably a message that she would really give to this generation is to stop stop um touring in uh in Hawaii stop going on trips and stop <laughs> stop the tourism that's for sure that's hella bold right i yeah. mean cuz so many people even people who don't intentionally 
have uh, have ill intentions about vacationing in Hawaii. Yeah. They don't realize that they're feeding in to the oppression of the Hawaiian people. Right. The Hawaiian resources. And so I feel like that's what she would deliver. That's the message she would deliver. Definitely. (laughs) All right, y'all. It's been a great show. Thank you, Hanani, for the words of wisdom and fire and tenacity. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. All right. I hate to do this. But, you know, we got to close this conversation. It's time to wrap it up. How are we going to take care of ourselves, Danny Boy, this week for the rest of the week? Mm. I'm going to take care of myself this week by uh, devoting 30 minutes a day to doing things uh, related to for the cultures. Mm. I can uh, just say that with a lot that's been going on in my personal and professional life in these past two weeks, is that I've been slacking a bit on preparing, right, right. Uh, you know, for our, for our show, and I feel like it shows, you know, <laughs> <laughs> just how we could be uh, everywhere what? a little bit. And you know, like let's own it, right? Like I'm gonna own it and say that. Nice. We, uh, yeah, we're getting through our episodes, and we kind of can't be all over the place, but we could be a lot more um, together. With preparation, so I want to prepare a little bit better, just as much as I do for other things. Yeah. So I'm going to devote 30 minutes this week. Yeah. And you got to hold me accountable, partner. Definitely, definitely. To do something for the cultures related. Yes, I love that. I love it. Yeah, I think for that that should be our both of our how we're going to take care of ourselves. You know, we're we're going to take care of ourselves by taking care of our brand <laughs> right our brand our baby our entity our baby the, what we start out with and take care of ourselves in the in the middle of all in the midst of all that right so we'll figure out how to st- we're gonna breathe we're gonna breathe let's gonna breathe through it all and just reflect if she gets too overwhelming just stop whatever we're doing take a deep breath yes remind ourselves it's gonna be okay yeah it's gonna and we're okay. good yep all right y'all been wonderful thank you for hanging in with us we appreciate everyone for tapping in until next time y'all peace love and happiness take care of yourselves y'all love and peace what are we doing it for we're doing it for the culture for the culture for the culture